Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see that Moses was God's chosen man to bring his people into the promised land. A trip that took two weeks, a little short of two weeks, took 40 years. Not because of God, not because of God's leadership, but because of rebellion and disobedience. There was a total resistance to coming into fulfillment. So God raised up Joshua, and Joshua and his team were so intense. Um, if we go to the book of Joshua real quick, one of the verses that, that, that strikes me as intense is now this generation is sick of wandering in the desert and they tell Joshua Joshua you just do what God has told you to do and if anybody will not follow your lead this is powerful it's pretty strong too um, he says we're not going to allow anybody to keep us from receiving what God has for us um, and, and he, they, they actually told him the words, if anybody does not follow your lead, we'll just get rid of them. We'll exterminate them. Um, and, and so along those lines, one of the most horrible um, partners in fellowship are those that, that keep you from receiving, right there, it's uh, Joshua chapter 1. Verse 17, oh, we go verse 16, we start in verse 16. Then they answered, these are the people that are coming with Joshua, a new leader, a new day, a new promise. They were going into the promised land. They were sick and tired of the desert, of promises unfulfilled, uh, going around in circles. They answered Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. How many would like a team like that? We're just going to go and in the direction that God has for us. We're not going to lose any of what God intended. Verse 17. Just as we listen to Moses in all things, so we will listen to you. Only let the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Verse 18. Whoever rebels... Whoever decides they have another game plan against your command and does not listen to your words and all that you command shall be exterminated, shall be put to death. Another word, we don't do that anymore. We're not going to kill anybody. But uh, we have asked people, the word death means separation. You're not going forward. You're not doing what you want to do. You're, you're resistant to obey God and to be counted uh, responsible, um, you can't be in our midst here because we're not going backwards. We're not going to be stagnant. I, I would be remiss if, if my four children uh, saw the vision of what God wanted for them and then perished in a desert of wanderings and rebellion and disobedience. Only be strong and of good courage. Don't lose your, your courage uh, to fulfill what God wants for us. Um, this is a different attitude, a different attitude for different people. It was a new generation. Um, 
these days there's a lot of confusion on the on the uh, Christian platform. Um, I called a friend of mine this week, and and he's been wavering in his uh, wandering in his calling. Uh, to be a, a real Christian, and he says, well, you know, God loves sinners. God loves sinners, so don't, don't forget that, Pastor. And I said, you know something, there's a big difference between a sinner who doesn't know Christ and a sinner who knows Christ and has decided not to obey him. Um, the Bible says that in these days, there will be a strong, um, there will be a strong multitude of people called reprobates reprobates in the bible is a sinner who does not want to repent somebody who already knows christ somebody who has already been born again and then decides they're not going to listen to god anymore so these are not the ones that obtain the grace of god for repentance because their rebellion is a resistance to truth and there it is in Romans 1.21 that it says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him. See, there's a big difference. This is not the sinner that has the merit of God's mercy and grace. The only thing left for this type of sinner who knows God, does not glorify him, is a huge expectation of wrath. There, there is no, there's no mercy moved in that. Why? Because they weren't thankful. They, they, didn't, they didn't find it uh, a, a gratitude of thanksgiving, but became temporary in their thoughts. They, they, they put their, the weight of their Christianity was more on temporal concerns, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We've got to be very scary that you've been a Christian for a long time and you are more lost today than you were the day you received Christ. That's scary. And your kids look at your face and you don't go to church, you don't serve, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't, you're not involved in, in the excitement of the Lord's return. That the, 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 I can't wait for Jesus to show up. I can't wait to leave on the rapture. Moment by moment, this is my passion. Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So uh, these are called reprobates. And a reprobate is somebody who uh, is not good. The Bible says in first, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through, I think it's verse, says it's dangerous times will come because of these men. They know the whole Bible. They, they've listened to sermons upon sermons. Uh, verse 4 of this chapter, I think it says, no, verse 5. Okay, it says, from such people turn away. Who are these people? Verse 6. Verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They listen, they listen, they listen, they listen. You ask them, they say, I don't know. Hey, hey, wait, wait. You know, God loves sinners. Now, God is, is reaching out to sinners. But a reprobate is a person that can't find. Listen to this. 
can't find repentance. Can't find repentance. He doesn't know how to connect with God because of his rebellion, disobedience, and resisting truth. He doesn't let truth be Lord in his life. Um, and so this is the grace of God. The grace of God that allows us to, we're walking against God, to begin to walk with God. And there's evidence that we're drawing nearer and nearer to the goodness of God. Um, and in that repentance, we find favor. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, the words were, repent and be converted. Turn around. Let people see that something has happened in your life that has caused you to turn around, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. Um, this is the message. Uh, we want to talk about that this morning. This is not the message that is being heard in Christianity. This is not, this is not what the world knows as those who love and serve God. Um, being right with God is not a sentiment of feeling, I, I don't feel bad for what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm okay. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for a time to turn back home. Turn back to the Father. Turn back to saying yes. Make me as one of your servants. Transform me. Convert me. Change my thoughts, my words, my actions. Change my destiny, my priorities, my interests. Let me be overwhelmed by the passion of pleasing my Father. Being about my Father's business. Being consumed being one with the Father. Bring us back to the place where we're no longer driven by laws of imposition, but by yearnings of the heart to please God from the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Being instructed by your commandments. Being saturated by your presence. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. We pray, O oh God, that you give us a heart towards excellence, towards standards of godliness, towards high standards of faithfulness to the one whom all glory and honor is due. Prosper your word this morning in the lives and in the families of this church, O oh God, so that we all, fathers, wives, mothers, husbands, children, are turned back to our eternal home we pray that your spirit might transform the hearts this morning it's not an atmosphere of mediocrity and a climate of half truths and justifying ourselves and reasoning in our logic and giving you a service that is only an outward appearance wash us with the blood of jesus gift us with the gift of repentance turn our hearts back to home so that we might serve you with excellence and know you as you are to be known prosper this seed in the hearts of your people 
and allow us to sow this seed in a world that has foregone repentance in their rebellion, has foregone conviction in their convenience. We give you thanks for your mercy and grace today, O oh God. Allow us the fruits of repentance that glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says that God wants to save us to the highest of places. And for this reason, it's God is showing up. He says he knocks on the door of our life. He wants us to invite us in. He wants to have uh, a, a banquet table with us. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. I, I don't want, yes, you know, a friend of mine says, Joaquin, I was walking for 37 years in the wrong direction. You tap me on the shoulder and you say, it's the other way. And I said, wait a second, that hurts because that means I've wasted 37 years of my life. So as we have the tapping and the turning around, the fact that we have taken several steps in this direction doesn't mean that you become complacent. Doesn't mean that you become settled and saying, I'm not walking in rebellion anymore. I'm not walking in disobedience. God doesn't want to only have you turn around, convert it and repent and take a couple steps in this direction. Along the way, things happen that, that make for another opportunity to say, I need to consider again. I need to reconsider where I'm at in my serving God. Because God does not want us to be saved a little bit. God does not want us to be saved in a level of much. But it says to the uttermost. That means to the highest place. You're not to be settled in conformity. So in uh, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11, he says... To his people, now not, no longer to rebellious sinful people, but to his people that are offering praises, that are serving the Lord, um, might even be a worship leader, might be a, a minister in the house of the Lord. And the Lord says, you know something, we need to revisit a, a sentiment. Here he goes. He says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? You're coming to church. You're serving me, says the Lord. I've had enough of all your celebrations. I don't delight in your blood of bulls and lambs and goats. You're doing a lot of activity. You're involved in a lot of, of my um, celebration. But the truth is, in verse 12, when you come to appear before me and you're required from your hand, why do you trample my courts? And verse 13, something unusual, he says, bring no more futile sacrifices. Bring me no more prayers. It says incense. Your prayer is not, is not clear. The new moons, the Sabbath, the calling of assemblies, when you gather in special meetings. Verse, uh, the end of verse 13, he says, I can't endure this iniquity, the sacred meeting. It says, 
Verse 15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So this is a person that has already repented, already turned toward God, is involved in a lot of Christian activity, a lot of different ordeals. And God is saying, time out. Your heart is not lined up with your service. Your life is not consistent. What you're doing outwardly is not the reality of your inward condition. So he says in verse 16, therefore, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Revisit and put away things of evil that are uh, from before my eyes. Cease to do that which is twisted. He starts delineating verse 17 what these things are. Learn what is, learn what is aligned with my heart. Speak the things that are right. Rebuke. Put in order things that are wrong. Defend the fatherless. Where are the husbands? Where are the fathers? These are men. Plead for the widow. What's the widow's problem? She can't find a husband. She can't find somebody to model Christ. So these are the things that God wants as a priority. And so the most glorious thing about returning home this morning is verse 18. Where God says, let us reason with one another let your thoughts and my thoughts match come let us reason together this this is a great uh invitation says the lord though your sins are like scarlet you got you got deep stains that are not easily removed they shall be white as snow though they are red as crimson they shall be as wool they're going to be uh, totally washed um this sentiment of, of turning back, even though we are Christians, we've been a Christian for a while, God is saying, you know something, get on my same page. Because it becomes a very uh, twisted scenario. This is the difference, verse 19, he says, if you're willing and you line up with obedience, you're going to see my goodness in the land. If you're willing, why? Because God is already willing. If you walk in obedience, not willing and don't walk in obedience. Yeah, Lord, I want to, but I'm not going to. No, willing and obedience, you shall eat the good of the land. But verse 20, we've said it again. The entitlements of rebellion and refusal do not lead to repentance. You cannot repent when you refuse and you rebel. You shall be devoured by the sword. In the Bible, the sword is judgment consequences that are detrimental why God has spoken this reality the mouth of the Lord has spoken this so we want to um, September 23 and September 24 were separated this year in the Jewish calendar as the feast of trumpets those of you that come to midweek Bible study and sit at the banquet table of the Lord, we had a glorious service on Wednesday night. God was faithful to give us his provision. Those who didn't, um, the same way you weren't present is the same way that um, you'll be surprised of what have, has occurred. I've, I've encouraged people these couple of weeks 
to go see two movies, one called The Remaining, which was supposed to be called The Remnant, but the people in Hollywood don't know what The Remnant is about, so they said The Remaining. And the second one, uh, Left Behind, a, a new movie talking about the rapture. These events that will take place upon the earth that those that are um, ditzy and fanfaring in other affairs, not tuned to the radar of God, will miss the appointment, will miss the day of the Lord's return because they have other priorities, they have other interests, they have other devotions. But those, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, let's start reading in verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, verse 17, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. There's a divine appointment that is on God's calendar. And so Wednesday, as I was uh, getting my thoughts together to share on Wednesday night, I said, Lord, thank you that September 23rd, Wednesday night, is the celebration for the Feast of Trumpets according to the Jewish calendar. What is the Feast of Trumpets? The Feast of Trumpets is found in Leviticus 23, 23. God says, I want you to celebrate every year with the sounding of a trumpet. Sounding of a trumpet. And in that trumpet call, the people shall gather together. He says like this, verse 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this is God. You shall celebrate, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a day of memorial, blowing the trumpets for a holy gathering. This was September 24th, last Wednesday. It was actually a day of two um, feasting days. It, it was celebrated the 23rd and the 24th this year. So we did Wednesday night and we did Thursday night. Uh, celebrating what commemorates the blowing of trumpets a holy gathering why let's go to verse 25 real quick you shall do no customary work on it nothing should be a a, a priority in another expression you shall offer an offering made by fire to the lord verse 26 and the lord spoke to moses saying this is the way you should celebrate this on the 10th day of the seventh month this is 10 days later so on the 23rd you go 10 days and you have the 3rd of October on that day you shall celebrate the day of atonement it shall be a holy gathering convocation is uh, uh, come from the word calling a holy gathering a calling you shall afflict your souls and offer offerings made by fire um, Jewish tradition, Jewish history, it was during the 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets, 10 days after September 23rd, that the Jewish people are afflicting their souls. They're repenting. They're saying, Lord, you know something? I don't listen to you like you want me to listen to you. 
I don't live like you want me to live. I, I don't have you as a priority in my life. Your coming is not a, a forerunner of my passion. I'd rather be somewhere else than being in your presence. I'd rather be right with men than being right with God. And so there's a lot of twistedness that happens in the hearts of men. And God decided that one season of the year, for 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets, they were to repent. It's called Yom Kippur in modern times. A day of mourning. A day of repenting. Um, I often wonder why... 10 days. Why can't we just do this real quick here in the next couple of minutes? Um, Lord, I'm really sorry because I'm rebellious. I'm distracted. I'm disconnected. I don't seek your face. I want to be where you want me to be. I want my family to have your blessing. I want my businesses to increase according to the hand and favor of God because I'm right with God. Everything I do will prosper. I want to reason with you and, and say that my sins are red as scarlet. They're red as crimson, but I want them to be white as snow. I want to be found right with you. Forgive me. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's go home. No. It was 10 days because our heart is super wicked and depraved. It was 10 days because it required coming before the Lord again and again and again and, and having a heart cry. Psalm 51 verse, um, I believe it's verse 6. Psalm 51 verse 6. Lord, you desire to me to be aligned in my inside. I could put on a front. I, I could tell my wife, woo, we're going to church, yay, and then be on the computer looking at things I shouldn't, talking to friends I shouldn't. Lord, you want me on the inside to be right, not on the outside. Anybody, anybody could dress nice and play the part. But the hidden, those things that are hidden, you will make me to know wisdom. You'll line me up with the standards of heaven, excellence. Verse 7, he says, purge me. Uh, purges is, is put me down into the detergent. Put me down into the chlorine, into the intensity of the wash, and I shall be made clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Lord, scrub. Scrub on me. And not be an appearance, and not be a convenience, and not be something that when people are checking, I, I get back in order. No, let it be in the very depth of my existence that I'm right with you, that I live for you. And so that's why it was 10 days. And so you do well in the next 10 days. And we've, we've set this time apart since Wednesday. Uh, you weren't here on Wednesday. You start today, four days later. But if you're on the up and up, if you are excellent, if you have treated Christ's salvation as the most single most important thing that has ever happened to your life. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of blessings that come with knowing Jesus. There's a whole bunch of favor. How, how many have like some intense peace? Yeah, we have that. We have that. We, we don't lose our peace because we not come to church, because we miss a, a study on the Feast of Trumpets. I was saying on Wednesday, I said, Lord, thank you that you have calendared 
on God's calendar, there are things that are taking place. I want to be on God's calendar. I want to have those special holy days, not holidays where I pick up and I, and I take off and forget God. No, 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 holy days. And this, this Feast of Trumpets was a holy day to commemorate the celebration of Christ's return, the blowing of the trumpets, where God expects his people to be together, not scattered, where God expects his people to be waiting his return, that are living for God, not because of the church, not because of the pastor. There's an internal reality. You love Christ above all things. You want to see him at his appearing. You want to embrace him. You want to live forever and ever with the Lord. You're not interested in, in whether or not your economy changes, whether or not you buy a better car, a better house, whether or not you get a, go on a nicer honeymoon with your wife. All those things are great. But at the forefront of our devotion is to love Christ. To meditate on his word. To gather. You know, I, I say that when you love a person, you engage in what that person loves. And I've said this many times. That the love of God, his most favorite place in the entire earth to be, is upon the gathering of his people. He says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. He doesn't miss a meeting. He doesn't miss his devotion. He told he told the people of his days, his parents were asking him, hey, where were you? He says, I need to be about my father's business. He went into the temple and took all the hypocrites out. People were like, pastor, how many people are you going to kick out of church? I'm not going to kick anybody out of church. I'm going to ask people who leave who aren't serious about church. That's different. Kicking out is, is, is removing. I said, no. Jesus kicked people out that were causing a stumbling to other people. Jesus grabbed the whip. And he came in the temple. Nobody likes to talk about that Jesus. But that's the Jesus I serve. He doesn't like us to be hot or cold or indifferent. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm in other words. He says, listen, if you're going to serve me, serve me, serve me. And if you're not, quit wasting people's time. If you think there's something better to do upon the earth, go and do it. You'll soon be convinced like the prodigal son of, I must go back to my father's house. I must go back home. I want to give you a standard today. God has given us the measure and the standard of his excellence. You know that you have something not aligned with God's heart when you want to be somewhere else than his home. The, the attitude of the prodigal son is, let me get, this is, this is glorious. I need to find a wife, so a church is a good place to get one. I need to, I need to get my finances fixed, so I'm going to lie. So you grab the getting, and you go to a distant land. This is the prodigal son. And then when you're over here where you thought that, that the passions, the pleasures, the priorities of this world, and you lose your soul, you can have all those things and have peace. You could have all those things and not have a family. You could have all those things and not have significance. I, I love one of my, my greatest joys of serving Christ is seeing the hearts of our children. If you, if you see, if your children are able to witness the reality of Christ in your life, and they're like, they're like little, they're little, and they, they're like, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be a pastor. 
Their, their standard is, I'm not going to be one of these little, pfft, I'm going to go for excellence. I'm going to be a, a minister of the high God. I'm going to be an officer in his court. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for his glory. Those are the little ones. Whenever you see an 18, 19, 20-year-old is like, uh, who am I? Where am I? Where do I? They have no sensibility of the kingdom, of the king, of the righteousness, of the goodness of God. They, they need to have a, find a place for repentance. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have the example of a man who traded the best of God for a temporary uh, pleasure of sin, of carnal satisfaction. He says he, he traded his birthright. He says, don't allow yourselves to fall away from the grace of God. It says it there in, in verse uh, 14, Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with, peace with all people, holiness, without which you're not going to see God. If you don't separate yourself to the things of God, you're not going to see God like I see God. You're not going to see God like people who passionately pursue God. In verse 15... Look carefully, lest any of you fall short of the grace of God. And roots of bitterness start taking hold of your heart. And by this, many become defiled. And you become a fornicator. What's a fornicator? I want the blessings and not the responsibility. I want to have sex, but I don't want to commit to her, take care of her, and live the way God wants me to. That's a fornicator. I want to praise God and feel good and feel the goosebumps and know that God is with me, but I don't want to serve him. I don't want to commit to him. I don't want to sacrifice for him. Don't be like a fornicator, a profane person like Esau. And he says, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright in order to accommodate his flesh in one area of certain pleasure, he forsook his birthright. Verse 16, please. Lest there be a fornicator, profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. That exchange is horrific. You got the blessings of God's inheritance, and you say, hmm, I'm going to go do something better. You, you can take my place. Brandon, you take my place, okay? I'm going to go do something better. Let somebody else occupy my responsibility and be a servant where I'm not being a servant and being faithful where I'm not being faithful. And being true where I'm being untrue. He sold it. It was an exchange. Verse 17. What happens next? For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing. When he wanted God to show up. He was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. Though he sought it diligently with his tears. I'm sorry Lord. 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 I'm sorry. I'm glad you're sorry. But you have fallen into a state of reprobation. You have fallen away from, from the ability to repent. Uh, repentance is a gift. These 10 days set aside in the Jewish calendar during the time of Yom Kippur as a time to get right with God. They believe this. If during these 10 days, I would humble myself to such a degree when the harvest comes the following year, God's hand will be on my life. These 10 days were so crucially important. 
It determined their health. It determined their wealth. It determined the favor of God upon their life. It determined their battles and victories, their prosperity, their blessing. They spent 10 days saying, I better be right with God. I better make sure that my life is sold out, purchased. This, when we go to repentance, we go, did Jesus give his whole life for us? Then we don't belong to us. Did he pay the price of our salvation? Absolutely. If you go to Leviticus chapter, um, I believe it's 16, the whole day of atonement is expressed in that chapter from verse 1 to verse 29. Leviticus uh, 16, 1. Therefore the Lord says, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord. The, the children of these priests were playing around and judgment came and killed them verse 2 and the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron your brother not to come near this place this holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is in the ark I will appear uh, lest he die for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat in this particular chapter you have the intensity of blood to gory levels that means in order to come before the presence of God, you need to kill bulls, you need to kill goats, you need to kill rams, you need to splatter blood, blood, blood. And this was for the uh, cleansing and for the forgiveness of all of God's people and his priests. If you read uh, Leviticus chapter 16, you'll see all the offerings that were required to be able to uh, sustain presence in front of God it says there in verse 15 then he shall kill a goat of the sin offering which is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull previously they had killed a bull now a goat and sprinkle it on the mercy seat verse 16 so he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their trespass for all their sins. And he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be, verse 17, no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in and makes atonement. When he's making that transaction, asking for forgiveness. He says there uh, in verse 20, and he... When he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Um, verse 21, they shall lay hands on the head of the goat, confess their sins. They used to put their hands on the animal and say, Lord, uh, I stole. Lord, I lied. Lord, everything I've done goes on this poor goat. That's why it's called a scapegoat, right? And he shall, verse 22, the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to the uninhabited land, and he shall be released, the goat, into the wilderness. So here it is. We're not dealing, verse 26 says, he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. All these sacrifices were done in the old times to be right with God, to be cleansed. Now, what has happened today? Hebrews 9, 12. It's not blood of goats anymore. It's not blood of bulls and rams. The Bible says 
not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. His work for our lives is, is powerful. It's true. It's consistent. So when we're, 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 not, like, we're not like Esau playing games and, and trading our birthrights and stuff like that. We, we're saying, Lord, I don't want to lose what you've given me. I don't want to, to leave it for another day where I want the blessing. And it's not to be found because I can't find repentance. I can't find the ability to be right with God. In the next couple of days before uh, the last days, uh, this, this particular year, Yom Kippur uh, falls on Friday, October 3rd. That's the day that finishes the 10 days of repentance, the 10 days of mourning, confessing, telling, telling God, listen, one thing is, oh, Lord, I'm wrong with you, and I want to get right with you. No, no, no. Come and say, Lord, I've put this before you, and you name it. And this needs to bow down his knees and confess that you're Lord. This is not a priority. You are my source. And so we, we bring all our idols and we destroy them. No longer are we going to uh, give priority to the things that are not God. We're not going to be serving two gods. So there it is, the prodigal son in Luke 15, 11, where he says, I need to go back to my dad's house. I need to come back home. That's a place of safety. That's a place of peace and provision. Uh, the prodigal son. A certain man had two sons, one picked up and left. The prodigal priest in Luke 18, verse 11, who says, uh, I'm not like Johnny. At least I come once a week. Johnny only come once a month. I'm not like Mary. Mary uh, is, you know, whatever the case may be. You're not, you're not saying like a Pharisee, God, I thank you that I'm not like, and then you pick who you're not like. God is not concerned. Uh, a lot of men want to come and say, well, I'm a Christian, I have a Bible, uh, my church is Spring of Life, and my pastor is Joaquin, and no, 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 listen to me. God wants to know, are all these provisions and tools making you right with God? Not that you have all these things. He says, I thank you I'm not like this sinner. I thank you that I'm not like other men that steal and are unjust and are adulterous. Uh, even this, this tax collector, he, was, he had somebody in mind who he was not like. I'm saying, look, the 10 days to get right with God is you comparing yourself to Christ. And we fall short. So we have to come and say, Lord, woe is me. Woe is me that I'm not living like you want me to live. Not that I'm living better than, than Paul or John. No, I'm not living like you want me to live. And so um, I just want to encourage you that, that, that you make your relationship with Christ real, that you are authentic. Jeremiah 17, 9, why does it take 10 days to find out the reality of your pride, your arrogance, your worshiping things that don't have value? He says the heart is deceitful above all things. What, what renders in these days the most difficult thing in our generation is the deception of our own hearts that we think we're right with God. We think that everything is doing great. We think that we're pleasing God. And the truth is we need to go down into this desperate and wicked heart. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
Who can know the motivations of our heart? When this man in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, there was a man named Simon, and he had come to know the Lord. He had come to, to believe in Jesus Christ. When the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard Samaria had received the word of God, they sent two of their royal ambassadors, their apostles, Peter and John, to them. They found out a city nearby had received the word of God. So they send out their leaders, Peter and John, verse 15. And when they had come down and prayed them that night to receive the Holy Spirit, verse 16. And yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name. They had some of the provision of God, but not all of it. Verse 17. They laid hands on these people and they received the Holy Spirit. Um, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this Friday night, they're going to be ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, discipleship class at 7.30. You should be there. You should be there and, and open your life to receive the, the, the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So there they were laying hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, we're going to do that Friday night at 7.30. And when Simon saw that through the laying, this man Simon saw that through the laying of the hands, um, the Holy Spirit was given, uh, verse 19, he says, Give me this power that anyone who I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, um, he says that he offered money, verse 18. He wanted to pay, he, was get, he offered them money to pay to get something from God. And, and the truth of the matter is, nothing we can pay will, will allow us to receive anything from God. It's his mercy and grace. So Peter tells him, verse 20, he says, Simon, let your money perish with you. Your money perish with you. You don't negotiate with God. You don't transact. This is not, God, if I go to church one day, you bless me two days. God, if I'm faithful one week, you, you bless me three weeks. No. You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. This is not a transaction of what you're getting. Let your money perish with you. Verse 21, this is the sad part. You have neither portion in this manner. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. That's what repentance is all about. God, what are my motives? What, why am I serving you? Why, why do I come to church? Why do I have a pastor? Why am I part of the congregation? Why do I sing to the Lord? Why do I serve in your sight? These are all things that are tuning our hearts to be right in the sight of God. This, this is repentance. I want to be right in God's sight. I want to, God to, to judge me right. I don't want to be missing. So he says, in order for your heart to be right in the sight of God, what is the prescription for those that want their heart to be right in the sight of God? Verse 22, Peter tells them, repent. Repent. Don't get so comfortable with your sin that it's your friend and you accommodate it, you justify it, you're complacent, you're convenient, you've embraced it as normal. Well, I'm a human. Well, I'm only a sinner. Well, Christ came to heal a sinner. Christ came to set a sinner free. Christ came to wash and to cleanse a sinner. There was nobody more perverted and twisted than me. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. And so there it is. Peter says, repent. This is twisted. That's what the word wickedness means. You're out of order. You're twisted. And pray 
If God perhaps, perhaps means he might. He might give you a gift called repentance. But it all is determined on your heart. If perhaps though um, the thought of your heart may be forgiving you. Perhaps. Well, what happened? I thought I was already a Christian. He had become a believer already. Verse 23. I see that poison has seeped into your heart and you're bitter. You're justifying your attitudes because you're hurt. You're offended. Something happens that has stolen from you the, the authenticity of simplicity, of loving God, of giving him your whole entire being. This is the, the, he says, I see you've been poisoned by bitterness and you're stuck on iniquity. You're stuck on doing things wrong. Now, I want to, I want to tell you that as we celebrate these last 10 days, um, the remaining days of the 10 of Yom Kippur, that is a great time. It's a great time that on Wednesday night we began to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets by remembering that Jesus' trumpet is going to sound loud and clear. And we had Gerardo here, our trumpet player, sounding the alarm to awaken, to watch, to repent, and to be ready to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ. And that we're one another to stimulate ourselves preparing for that day. And get away from people that um, have become complacent. People that have rejected getting right before God. That don't, they want, would rather converse other things and not the priority of being right with God. Let's stand this morning and thank the Lord that our hearts are being pointed to return home. That our hearts are ready to... Let's read this real quickly. Leviticus 23, 27. Also on the, you remember the first day of the seventh month was the Feast of Trumpets. But then he says also the tenth day of the month you shall, shall be the day of atonement. The day of getting right with God. The day of knowing that the blood of Jesus washes us, cleanses us, perfects our heart before the Lord. It shall be holy gathering. You shall afflict your soul and offer offerings made by fire. Being true. Making sure you take it to the forefront. Maybe you're here for the first time today and you've never had an opportunity to say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I receive the sacrifice of Christ on the cross as the atonement of my sin. I celebrate the opportunity to repent. God wants to take me to the uttermost expression of salvation. I'm not there yet. I want to become a new creation in Christ. I want to, you know, I have over the last 30 years, interviewed a lot of people, and this is their number one grudge, right? This is their number one grudge. There's no serious Christians. I'm not going to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. There's nobody real there. And, and the, the most marvelous question I respond is, what about you? Why can't you be authentic and genuine? Why can't you be real in your relationship with Christ? Be a blessing. Forget about what those people that are not and the people that waste their time and how rich. Listen, what, what is the hindrance that doesn't allow you to come to the highest? And we, we saw that in the movie Irreplaceable. This guy goes around trying to find out what the problem with families are upon the earth. I'm going to go study this. And at the end of the movie, he goes, I'm the problem. 
I'm the problem with why there's no blessing in the family because I don't forgive, because I'm offended, because I, and all the reasons why. And so the same thing with this aspect of Christianity, forget about it. And I've said this a thousand times, forget about who's not doing it real. I want to do it real. I want to be genuine. And that's my fight on a daily basis. I want to be more and more like Christ. His heart was always at home. It doesn't matter where he was. He was consistently checking his relationship with the Father. In John chapter uh, 10 verse 30, he, he describes his relationship on earth with God saying these words, saying, me and the Father are one. I and the Father are on the same page. I and my Father are one. That's where repentance leads us to, to being right where the Father is to loving what the Father loves, hating what the Father hates, abiding, dwelling, communion, fellowship, through the grace and Spirit of God where the Father wants us to be. And where the Father's heart is, is at home. You know where the devil is leading a big host of Christians? Away from home. The ravishes of a wolf. Listen very quickly because this is important. The ravishes of a wolf will turn your heart away from home. This is a prophetic word for many of you. If you have someone, something, twisting your heart, poisoning your heart. You know, the people that get poisoned are not people that they, they're given a, a glass of poison. says, here, this is poison. Go ahead and drink it. The way you get killed by poison is given to you in small dosages. You don't even know you're having it. This poor woman killed three husbands by feeding them antifreeze. And so if you're not careful, somebody twisting your heart away from home, you'll soon find yourself at the medical examiners trying to find out what happened to this person that was in the family, at home, in a place of provision, protection, purpose, and they've been poisoned. Little at a time. Offense hearts these are the things that we need to bring before God this morning if you're here for the first time and want to receive Christ you could raise your hand and I want to pray for you we don't want to make sure that everybody has Jesus Christ in the heart anybody anybody new for the first time and then all of us who have heard returning our hearts home we, we lift both of our hands saying Lord I want to be redeemed I want your atonement to fall afresh upon me I want my heart to be right in the sight of God. My thoughts, my words, my actions. Every attempt of the evil one to strip me from the wealth of family, of home, of food, of an inheritance. Lord, these next couple of days until next Friday, although we are not following the Jew Jewish calendar to be traditional and to be religious, but we do want to see these things as types and shadows of what you want us to know how you want us to live make your relationship with us authentic and genuine that your holy spirit might fill our lives saturate our hearts with grace that prepares us for the day of your coming father we recognize our hearts are wicked and desperately depraved but your spirit transforms our hearts gives us a heart that's willing to obey willing to embrace 
willing to receive your goodness. We pray that this morning, oh God, this word would settle in our hearts, settle in our thoughts in the coming days. We don't want to point, we don't want to accuse, we don't want to highlight what is twisted or wrong. We want to get right with you, oh God. We want to conform to the image of your son, to be right with God, to serve him with excellence, to be instructed in the ways of becoming a servant of God, to live for your glory, for your honor. Father, I pray that you would just expose the wickedness of twisted men that are walking in their own desire, in their own priorities, in their own passions, so that we might serve you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of God.